0: Luke chapter 23, and we'll start with uh, verse 44 here. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this day. We thank You for the songs that have been sung for the affirmation of our faith, for the fellowship that we've enjoyed today, and for what you've provided for us through your incarnation, through your crucifixion, and through your resurrection. Praise be to your name. Bless these, our words. Bless this, your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We finally have arrived to the seventh saying of Jesus. We've looked at seven words now from the cross as He's dying before these crowds, seven last words of Christ. And the first was forgiveness. The second, salvation. The third concerned with relationships. The fourth, abandonment. The fifth, distress. The sixth was triumph, and today is reunion. The word of reunion. It's the final word that He gives. It's the last word that He breathes out as He descends to the lower parts, and then as we said in the creed, Right after that, ascends. Which has often been noted theologically that He comes from heaven all the way to the lowest point in our world, which is not just earth, but truly Hades itself. Death, hell, and the grave. He dies. He goes where all dead people went. And then He makes His ascent all the way back to the Father, which of course shapes a V for victory. And this morning, we do celebrate the victory that we find in Jesus Christ. We don't uh, stop with His crucifixion, although that is salvific for us. But instead, we move toward the resurrection as we have this very morning. And so right after that, of course, in Luke, uh, you get the resurrection account, uh, which we've read this morning. Now, these two last sayings of His... It is finished, or it is done. And this one here, Father, into Your hands I commit My spirit. Both of these are quotations from the Psalms. So in Jesus' last minutes of His life, where does He turn? Even when He's crying out to God to save Him from this mess, where does He ultimately turn? None other than the Word of God. Now how much more we ought to turn to God's Word in times of distress, in times of victory, in all times of our life we turn to the Word of God. It is our sure foundation given to us by the Holy Spirit Himself through holy men. Praise be to God for His Word. In this last saying here, I want to talk briefly about truly trusting God. This is exactly what Jesus does here in this sentence He says. Father, into Your hands I commit My Spirit. (laughs) Even there, there's a Trinitarian tinge to that. Spirit, Father, Son... God working for our salvation even in these last minutes of His life. This last breath. This is His last breath. Before He leaves and of course goes to the tomb, is buried, and then resurrects three days later on this great Sunday. The first thing about the resurrection, the cross, discipleship, being a Christian, is very, very, very simple and it's so simple that if you don't carefully observe it just like you have to do an in interpretation you will miss it it's like one of those things where you're frantically looking for your keys everywhere and the whole time they've been in your pocket you've looked everywhere in the house you're screaming at people and you know you've got all the kids blaming everybody else somebody's moved my keys and you've run over them with a lot more which is what I did. Um, Ultimately, (laughs) it's right before you, and it's very simple if we'll just stop. Jesus, in this last breath, submits ultimately to God His very life into the hands of God. You see, the first step is this. We must give up our life in order to gain life. It's the craziest thing that you've ever heard, and yet it's the most true thing that we've ever heard. And that is, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. If you manage your life, if you you go through life grasping at what you want you will lose your life. It's the most sure thing in the world. You will ultimately come to nothing. Hell is a place of fire, yes. Darkness, yes. But ultimately, the torture in hell is that you get what you always wanted and that was yourself. And you get it for all eternity. And you're by yourself. It's the torture of all tortures. We must surrender. We must put down our arms. Take off our armor. Pick up the cross. Isn't this what He told us? In Mark chapter 8, after Peter's great confession, you are the Christ, and he turns around and says to them very clearly, if you want to be My disciple, I thought they already were then you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. Where did He go? He went to go and die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a martyr by the Nazis in 1945, for the Christian faith, great theologian, he says, when Jesus bids a person to come and follow Him, He bids them to come and die. We must surrender if we are to ever receive new life. You see, what we don't realize is how deep sin is. We think we're okay. And that thinking that we are okay is what damns most people To hell forever. I'm okay. I don't really need God. I don't need the church. I don't need the scriptures. I don't have to pray. I'm not that weak. More people have come to an end where they realize how much they need God too late. You know, it's like a uh, drowning person. Have you ever seen somebody who is drowning, or you yourself have ever been drowning, they are kicking and doing everything, and they can't get control, which is why they're drowning. And in order to help a person like that, there's a couple of things that you're going to have to do. Uh, number one, you can wait till they go under and finally start passing out. Because you can't do anything when they're hitting and they're going to knock you out. And you're going to, how, is it, how, is it, how are you going to help them at that point? You're not. Or you can knock them out yourself, you know, and then drag them to, to the shore. Because it's really the only way. As long as they fight, they will never be helped. They're actually acting against the helper when they're drowning because they're doing this number. We too are just like that in our life. As long as we can do it, we will do it. And as long as we can do it, God will not do it. God cannot do it until He knocks us out. And let me tell you, God has had to knock me out. And I've had to ask God to knock me out in my life before. Do whatever it takes to help me. Okay. And there comes a crisis. Crisis often acts as a knocking out and a realizing that we cannot do it on our own. It's the most simplest revelation, and yet it's the most difficult one to follow. Just stop. That's what I have to say to my kids when they get so worked up. You know, they get around playing with their friends, and everybody gets worked up, and then they're in the zone. And they can't hear anything. And so I'm practically screaming, Stop! Jackson! Stop! Stop! And then once they finally look at me, they realize, Whoa! We've gotten way out of control. In our own life, we need to stop. And this is a day where we do stop. And we pause and we say, Lord, are we in Jesus Christ? Or are we into ourself? Is self-ruling? Am I the one that's managing this thing? Am I the one that's fighting to do my best in this life? Because that's never good enough. When I surrendered to Jesus Christ fully was when I was 17 years old. And I'll never forget the experience because it was one of great fear. I remember a week before the event, even, I had the thought that even though I had done all these good things in my life, obeyed the rules, done what my dad said, not followed the way of the crowd, none of those things were saving me. None of those things were good enough. Actually, those things were acting as a barrier against my salvation, believe it or not. You see, the enemy knows us very well. He doesn't tempt us with raping someone tonight. That's probably not your thing. Murdering somebody with a hammer tonight, that's not your thing. Most of us don't struggle with wanting to kill large numbers of people. Most of us have no I mean, we don't even it's not that big of a deal. No. No big deal. Don't worry about that. Satan's not gonna tempt you that way. He tempts us with good things that distract us from the good thing who is God. <laughs> I keep thinking back to Rome and to this new movie and new book, Hunger Games, because the whole basis of where she gets the idea of Panem is from a poet who writes about the Roman world who says they were so distracted from reality because of two things, food and entertainment. Literally, bread and circuses. That kept people entertained. And I heard this morning on the the television while the boys were watching Mickey Mouse... They said something about on charter, you know, we have entertainment 24-7. And I thought to myself, oh, Lord, help us then. And I've noticed in our world, when people get bored, what do they do? They immediately turn to entertainment. Let's see here. Somebody important here. I mean, at least read about somebody important. Turn on the television. I can't handle silence. They live their lives through movies or shows or books or the next thing coming down the line technology-wise. And we have a plentiful amount of food. Maybe we too have been distracted from the ultimate good. Maybe we too have slumbered when we shouldn't be. Maybe we too have been what is one of the deadliest sins is slothfulness, laziness. Follow me. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Lay down your life. Don't hold on to it. Don't fill it with all these things. Just stop. We're like a person drowning who can't get enough of this world. And the more we put in, the further we sink. And Jesus says, If you'll just stop, I can help you. And we won't. We keep watching. We keep turning. We keep seeking everything but Him. The world is getting dark. We can light up cities to where you can't even see the stars any longer. And yet, we cannot distinguish between light and darkness. Good and evil. We say we're enlightened, and yet we struggle with morality. There's once an old philosopher that said, if you want to understand a culture, look what they do to their children. Look what we do to our children. We kill and murder systematically with scissors, with medicines. We murder them by the millions. And we just sit comfortably at our home watching television, eating our food, never standing up when it's spoken about in the public sector or at work. Nah, I don't want to get too controversial. Jesus was the most controversial person in all of human history and to this day remains the most controversial person in all of human history. It's high time to awake. There's not much time left, both in your life and in the life of the world. Jesus says be ready at any moment. Paul tells us He comes in the blinking of an eye. When you least expect it, that's when He's coming back. And He's coming back to judge. Because the world is dark the times are dark and yet because of the light of christ we can see clearly he's made a path for us to follow we too are called to be both witnesses and lights to the nations but first we must stop (coughs) surrender and do nothing and that's the hardest thing to do for us I mean, have you ever taken a day? I I, I just wonder, seriously, and even in my own life, I'm trying to think. Have I ever sat in silence for eight hours at a time? Ever in my life? Eight hours of just enjoying nothing. If it has, it's been so long I can't remember. We are busied about by so many things, and yet this is not complicated at all. We must surrender. We must stop. We must do nothing because in that statement of Jesus, it is done. It is finished. He has already done it all. We think we need to be doing something or that we can handle this, and that is the greatest lie of the enemy. You know, watching a show about these elite warriors uh, that we have on our special forces, and that's right. And it's interesting in their water training. In order to be able to not freak out when you're drowning, they have to teach you and train you in in very distressful situations. And one thing they had to do was they had to tie their hands and their feet up. With things that could be broken. You know, it wasn't something that couldn't be broken. It could easily be broken. So they had to train themselves not to break it. Not to freak out and start doing this number. And they had to bob, uh, I think it was 11 times. In order to do that, in order to sink, you have to have half the capacity in you. And you also have to be very calm. Which is going against all of the natural inclinations of our body when one is drowning. And every time they would bob up, people would be splashing them in the face face to where they would actually swallow water and air when they went back down. And they would keep doing this 11 different times and of course then swim the whole length of the pool underwater and then put on a pack and do all sorts of other stuff. The whole time not freaking out because as soon as you lost control, you were going to drown. I was reading another story too about a survival camp that was teaching people how to survive in all kinds of situations. And the guy said, There's three rules do not freak out, do not freak out, and do not freak out. Because as soon as you freak out, it's over. As soon as you let fear take you over, it's over. You have have no brain, you're shaking, you're trembling. You can't do anything. The fear in our life, the the whopper freak out, if you will, in our life, is that I can't do it. (laughs) Again, I go back to that night, a week before February 28th. And I saw myself, I see myself lying there, looking up at a light, thinking... Lord, there's nothing I can do tonight to save myself. It was the scariest thing I ever come to. There's a lot of people who think they're Christians because they pray to prayer, because they go to church, because they're in control of their Christian life. It's not about control, it's about submission, it's about obedience. It's about laying down your life. Trusting your life, just like Jesus did. I commit my spirit into your hands, O Lord. Are you willing to do that with your life? Truly commit it to Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus even mentions, He says, you know, Thomas... Better is it for those who haven't seen and yet believe. Folks, this is us. He was talking about us. Do you believe in Jesus Christ this morning? Not just in your head, with your very life. If so, lay it down. It's the only way to new life, to eternal life. You must empty yourself in order to be filled. And yet, isn't that a very difficult task? And yet, He can help us be still. He can help us stop fighting. Your prayer may need to be today, Lord, knock me out. Wake me up. Shake me until I can see You. Because I've been asleep too long. He's waiting for us to cease so that He can begin in our life. Would you stop fighting? What better day than on Easter Day to stop fighting against God and receive Him? Rest in Him. Some of you are very weary, and I don't mean physically. You're tired of fighting. You're tired of struggling in this life. You're tired of this life. You know, people say, God doesn't know what I've gone through or either they say about the world, what a terrible place. Both are remedied in Jesus. If, it, if this is a terrible place of suffering, then Jesus has taken His own medicine. God has taken His own medicine. He's lived in this very world, suffered in this very died in this very world, and yet overcome the world for us. (laughs) It's the greatest of all hopes. This is the greatest story ever told. And yet, in many of our lives, it's told very poorly. Today, it doesn't have to be that way. Today, He offers us Himself. Will you look away again like you have so many times before? Will you ignore Him Will you try to just continue feeding yourself with the world, whatever it may be? Hobby, sports, television, a career? Or will you relinquish your life so that you may gain true life? Choose you this day who you will serve God or yourself. Who will you deny, yourself or God? It's the only choice we have today. Let's all stand as we pray. Lord, and as Rachel comes, Lord, we thank you for this morning, for what it means to us. Lord, would there be someone here who would be willing, courageous enough to say, I'm tired of fighting? I only want you, God. Your will be done in my life. Lord, give them the strength now to respond. Give them the courage to lay their life in your hands. Give me the courage this morning. Fill us with Your Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is your time of response to God, to this Word and this service and this act of God. His sons to